Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Ocean Protect podcast talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. We've talked a lot about the turtles, but what about the birds and the snakes? So what are the, what are the major dilemmas that you see in the birds, for example? Okay, the birds is this past 18 months has been since COVID-19. We have seen a dramatic, and I'm talking dramatic, increase in seabird entanglements. And it's so sad. And what I'm I can only think that it's directly related to stay-at-home orders, which is fine, and and people, and you should stay home, protect yourselves. However, I think people have really started to discover the little things in life again, and I think that's fishing for some. And they're going, oh, I've got all this spare time now. I can get out on the water. I've always wanted to do this. But they haven't grown up around the water or they haven't done the research into what's good and what's bad and what does it mean to hook a bird and when I talk to local fishers and I try I try and go down and just have a conversation, you know, and there's so much respect for the sea from the, from our local mm. fishers down there. They really do care and they, re- and they call us when they see a hooked bird. Likewise, this morning, a local called me and said, hey, love, there's a hooked bird. Mm. I'm like, cool, I'll come mm. down. But what I'm really worried about is the newcomers to the sport and they're just out there hooking birds left, right and centre. They don't know what to do. And so we launched the campaign, luckily, back in early 2020 called Don't Cut the Line. And that is simply to, as simple as it is, don't cut the line. If you accidentally hook a bird, we know it's an accident. We're not going to come down and yell at you. We just want to get the bird. But if you cut that line, that bird's free to go and we might not be able to get it for weeks and that damage is already done, the infection set in. When you say entanglement, you're talking fishing line and hook entanglement. Yeah. Fishing line and hook entanglements, yeah. Any sort of fishing tackle related stuff. Lures are huge, huge, and especially with our pelicans because we share their habitat so closely. But the one huge misconception about hooks especially is that they'll just rust out. They just don't. They stay in there and they stay embedded and it causes infection and, and you know, it's really hard to get these animals back to health and it takes a while and Seabirds do not cope with capture stress well. We, we've got a very short time frame where we get this turnaround on them and we've got to get them back out there within a couple of weeks or they can stress and die. They, um, they get imprinted and then they're not suitable for release. So it's not just a simple little hook sometimes. It's so much more than that that um, I think the general public don't realise for us rehabbers. So what we really want to do once lockdown's over is 
it's really hard to get out and train people is we want to get into fishing clubs and the local areas and teach you on what to do if you catch an injured bird and really bridge that gap among conservationists and the fishing community and realize that we have the same love. We, we all love the ocean. We all love being on it. Why don't we try and protect it together? Well, that's my kind of portray on things. Sorry, I've got a question on that. So I'm in New Zealand with day two of lockdown. And in New Zealand, lockdown is you stay at home. There's no coffees. There's no whatever. So why are people, I mean, I, I was an Aussie for the last lockdown. Why are people going fishing in lockdown? You're allowed to. <laughs> You can do whatever you want here. <laughs> I guess the other question, and I, I'm not—I uh, speak from ignorance because I don't fish. But if you get a snag, or mm. if your hook is snagged somehow, what are you supposed to do? If I was out fishing in New Zealand, and we're obviously deep sea fishing, you're, you're hooked yep. on something at the bottom. It's a bit different. You're not yep. hooked on a bird. You're hooked on a rock. So you're trying mm. to get it off. But you're saying it's when you're pulling in a fish, or you've accidentally hooked mm. a bird. Pull it yeah. in, get the bird, put it in the boat, take it to Ollie, yeah. not cut the line so the bird flies off. Yeah, that's basically it. Look, it's a sport where accidents like snags and stuff happen. I understand that. I did grow up fishing when I was a kid. So, look, snags are going to happen. I get it. It's, in a, it's unavoidable sometimes. But likewise to everything else that we do, we're only human. You know, if you use something single-use plastic one day, just do better the next. Know your local areas a bit better when you're going fishing. If it's a snag spot like and you know that don't go to that spot you know what I mean just do your best to write your rights and I think that's the way that we create change understanding that not everything has to be drastic you don't have to change everything about your lifestyle just change little things step by step because I think people get overwhelmed with what they think they need to go from right to left within a day and it's like no just just get there do it your way but just get there and because it's really easy to talk to like-minded people. It's so easy, in fact. It's great to have the conversation with my volunteers that come in. We're all passionate. We all want the same things. And, but talking to someone from the right is hard. You've got different views. And so, look, to be honest with you, I think working in a pub for six years of my <laughs> life really yeah, helped yeah. me understand how yeah. to talk to people that don't agree with you. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to talking to Jeremy like well, all I was the time. Say, I mean, this is how we get on so well. <laughs> I got people I argue with on the daily. Don't you worry. It's all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's look. That's my view on it. Anyway, I love people that are activists, and I love people that are just starting. I I think it's so important to have all the conversations and you know eliminate that hate. And I've said it a, a few times already. I'm like, just bridge gaps. Bridge those gaps. It's the only way that we're going to move forward. And, of course, doing stuff like this and spreading the awareness about that we're all not just going to come down and yell at you and <laughs> we're just, we just want to save the birds. Speaking of bridging gaps, and this is a segue, did you see the other day that uh, the Foo Fighters in America, there was this anti-gay rally or anti, yeah, it was, it was a church-run rally by all these oh people just going, you know, kill the gays. And so what the Foo Fighters did is they hired a truck and mm. 
then got all their band equipment and went and started to perform for all the protesters and they were singing BG songs and they were saying, <laughs> Look, we love you, we love you, and they're holding up these hate things. And then they, they realise it's the Foo Fighters, they drop that and they come down and start dancing. <laughs> you know, so they're, taking, they're taking the mickey out of you, but you don't know. So anyway, you but you're right, it's, it's bridging, bridging that gap. The six years in a pub will do that for you. <laughs> Um, it'll help. It'll help. Trust me. And it's like a little fishing town as well. So like, wow. And that's the same across a lot of environmental things that 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 we deal yeah. with, and from the guests that yeah. we have on board, bridging the gap through communication. Yesterday we had Lorna on for a podcast, and we spoke about marketing to different people to try and get your messages across. It's all about mm-hmm. communicating it. And what I liked about your comment before is. Guys, bring the bird in. You haven't done a crime. It, it's an accident mm. because people would go, oh, I should have killed a bird. That, that's a really important bit of sort of passion or compassion that people yeah. start going, well, okay, well, look, I have made a mistake. It's okay to bring it in there. And you imagine yeah. that's, just, that's just one bird in, in your neck of the woods. You scale that round, you know, Queensland, New South Wales, Australia, the world. It's about getting that message across and, and communicating. Definitely. And I think it's so important. And it was one of the first things I noticed when I really started to knuckle down into this industry. I noticed that fishers didn't want to talk to me. There was no communication. Then I just started to realize, I was like, just go have a chat. (laughs) I'm not sure if you can tell about that. I'm just a straight up bogan. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Where were you born? Oh, the Gold Coast. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's, that's, come on, that's, that's, that's hardly bogan. Depends on where, where, where you're up at. <laughs> I literally got a note like on my phone and um, I was like, remember not to swear. Remember not to swear. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> that, it's fine. There's plenty of swearing on here generally. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and and, and sorry, we've talked, a lot about, we've talked a lot about entanglement for birds. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that the main thing you, you guys see in uh, ASR, Australian Seabird Rescue? At the moment, we're seeing a lot of entanglements. I guess one of the other things that we really are starting to see uh, in our migrating shorebirds and seabirds, for instance, um, something like a shearwater that goes on like a 15,000-kilometre migration. And they're, they're coming back. And a part of the natural migration is that you lose some animals along the way due to like only the strongest. Tiredness. Right. Yeah, exhaustion. I'm tired. Like, <laughs> literally, like just they just – all out of the sky. They're like, you know what? I need a nap. But now what we're realizing is that they're coming back with empty stomachs. And is overfishing not necessarily in Australian waters, but in other waters where it's not governed? They're not getting have we feed. Their fish Yeah. And so it's not, a ma- it's not a matter now of are they just dying with this natural phenomenon of migration? So the strongest will survive. But are they starving and are we losing too many because we've overfished our seas? So yeah, that is one of the other problems with seabirds at the moment. That's really interesting. I mean, if you're, if you're a bird on a 15,000-kilometre sort of <laughs> um, migration and you're at the front, you're like, hey, guys, I remember last trip. There's a great gas station mm-hmm. down here. It's a, you know, we're going to yeah. go down, great spot. Get down there, and you know it's gone. Yeah, it takes more. Say, it takes. We've done a podcast on it. Takes some more energy to get up to their height to you know because you think when they're yeah. flying, they're sort of in their rhythm. They go down there, yeah. they're really starving. Nothing's there. You know, I'm going to give up. I'm not going back up there. So it's mm. a really interesting thought, and and would love to hear more about it once you learn because it's concerning. They're coming back really empty stomach. 
it's almost like you guys are doing your best to sort of clean up the mess, but obviously yeah. we need to turn the turn off the tap in terms of you know right. identify what the what the key contributing factors are for these birds falling out of the sky, say, and obviously solve it. When our previous podcast guest Harry Sadler, who who wrote an amazing book about the eastern curlew, similar mm-hmm. sort of you know migratory bird traveling from I think Tasmania and Victoria to Siberia or somewhere Just like Siberia, that, a key pressure there. A key pressure there was their disappearance or their their, their loss of mudflats, you know, mm-hmm. because of development pressure. Uh, but obviously, they're relying on the sort of the food sources within mudflats. But obviously, some other birds would be sort of literally fishing to for their sort of key source of energy. It's not only that as well. So then, these seabirds and shorebirds, for instance, they come back to Australia to breed and mate and. Now we're destroying their habitats here as well. So, and it might not be through coastal development, but it is through sea level rise with coastal erosion. So we've got these shorebirds that nest in dunes and there's no dunes. We've got sea turtles that nest in dunes and there's no dunes. But we're not doing anything through government about it. So the everyday person constantly asks me, what can I do to help climate change? What can I do on my day-to-day life? And I'm like, well, you can do your best. But it has not been made readily accessible by the people that govern us to make these things accessible for us. So we want to reduce emissions. But how do we do that when we need our car to go to work? How do we do that on a day-to-day basis when we rely so much on just stuff that's going to make it worse for us? But, for instance, our Prime Minister said no to trying to reduce emissions by 2050. What a nuffy, seriously. It annoys the crap out of me. Yeah. Oh, I can't even talk. We'll go through that on another podcast. <laughs> you can talk about it because we'll let this disclaimer. We can talk about SCOMO as much as you want. You can go for it. And, and this is where I get on my vegan hippie bandwagon. We all, we always rely on government to sort of lead direction. I, I just think, really? Do we really want to rely on government? Like they've shown no leadership in this space for so long. And in their defence, it does take a while to you know transition from coal-powered stations to solar and renewable, et cetera. We can both reduce our uh, greenhouse gas emissions by about a half just by changing our diet and our next meal. And this is, I know Jeremy hates me talking about this. No, 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 stop building it up. Stop building it up. Adopting a plant-based diet will reduce your carbon footprint by about half in your next meal and forevermore, whereas these energy system transitions will take 30 to 50 years. The solution's ready to rock and roll. I just, I just annoys the bejeebas out of me. It's ready to go. Yeah. So and I anyway, the answers. It's just getting there. It's so yep. it's so hard. And we say fifty percent with our diet, which is great. And it's not enough. It's not enough. It, look, that's the thing. It's it's only part of the solution. It's a big part, but it's only a part. We've certainly got to, it's a, you're right. we, it. You're yeah. right. Number one. If you were Prime Minister, Ollie, I'm sure you'd say, let's stop deforestation, let's stop uh, development in mudflats and riverine environments and basically and mangrove environments. Mangroves. And these things are a massive uh, sinks for carbon. You know, th- this is where the focus needs to be. And the leadership that we see now in our political leaders, et cetera, is just embarrassing. It just <laughs> irks me. And I'm hoping that one day an Ollie Pitt or someone like that will run for parliament and just oh God, no, get us I'm out of those people. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> <laughs> that brings me to a good, good point here. Ollie, as the general manager of Australian Seabed Rescue, what's your typical day look like? Are you like rescuing birds in the morning and then writing letters in the afternoon? Give us your typical day. I mean, what did you do today? Well, I rescued a bird in the morning and I wrote a letter. And now I'm doing a podcast. No, that's probably the most common question I get asked. You're the second person to ask me that today. Well, you're on our podcast, so I, I, yeah. I, I'm allowed to ask this question. <laughs> I was like, okay, have that. Okay, that's definitely going to be a question for sure. Right? <laughs> um, no, so no two days are the same, but uh, my day can revolve around rescuing a bird, rescuing a turtle, doing a lot of the rehab stuff in the tur- in the in the hospital. It can involve a whole bunch of meetings. It can involve a lot of media. It can involve um, a hell of a lot of emails. It can it involves writing reports, um, looking at grant applications. Basically, to put it in a nutshell, I make sure the daily operations of the organization are happening. Now, whether that is a good way to explain it is if I need something built, I don't have to build it, but I have to make sure it gets built. That's that's kind of my role. And But we're governed by a committee. We've got a really strong committee and they kind of run the organization. And then I manage it from there by what their ideas and um, I'm supported through them. Wow. That's cool. It's cool. It's great. I love it. it. It is obviously a job that you love and obviously do very well, but it must be hugely taxing on you. Like it sounds like it's 24-7. Your phone yes. must run hot with everyone <laughs> yeah, saying, no oh, I've got another bird for you to save, et cetera. So, well, we have a rescue line. Um, so my phone doesn't go off for the rescues. It'll go up. Like I have an open door policy with my volunteers please come and talk to me at any stage if you need help. I mean, please don't call me on a Sunday if you don't know where the scissors are, but please call me if there is a bird that needs saving. <laughs> type scenario. It is taxing. It is 100%. And I don't think people, because we obviously have our own socials. We talk about so much going on. And we also show a lot of the fun stuff and the turtles getting better and the seabirds that are rescued, but we're never going to post the, the hard stuff. We're not going to post the fact that, you know, the other day I had a, a pelican with botulism literally die in my arms. So, well, that's okay because I have a really strong mentality about what we're doing and I understand my role. My volunteers have to go through this as well. And that can be quite hard for them. But I think it's really important in this industry to protect your mental health. And we offer as much support as we can for our volunteers and vets. Um, have one of the highest suicide rates in Australia out of any industry, and that is probably carried over into all animal workers. It can be hard when you're not treated with 
respect out in the field or something like that. My volunteers are yelled at because of, uh, who knows why. All we can really do is remind everyone that we are out here to do good. We are doing our very best. These guys out there are not getting paid. They are doing this because they love it and they come from – the best thing about ASR is we accept everyone from every single background. Whether you've been there for a week, whether you've been there for 10 years, you are still sifting turtle poo. So everyone's inclusive. We accept people with disabilities, with support workers. We're, there is never an ounce of discrimination within this organisation. You'll deal with me, honey, if that happens. Um, <laughs> I'll get the food Fighters there right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, the, yeah, so it is taxing and it's hard. And like I said earlier, the good, those release days, oh, yeah. they don't get old. It's amazing. No, they certainly don't. But just going back on the one point, I thought dentists had the highest level of uh, mental health Ooh. problems. And I can see why because everyone hates the dentists. How they would do. you hate? How would you hate on volunteers? I mean, you'll be surprised. It's like ambulance ambos; they always get a hard time. And, yeah, and nurses. And I don't know why people hate the dentists so much. They're quite kind. <laughs> well, I mean, traditionally going back, you know, before you'd get an infection, <laughs> you know, you're at school. Actually, you no, know, I've seen, um, I've seen a bit of volunteers getting a bit of stick. Brad was wearing his buddy smugglers on Bondi Beach one day, and we're picking up plastic. There were heaps of girls laughing at him, and, and, and obviously, <laughs> I can see why. Moving quickly on. Spe- yeah. Speaking of things that maybe people don't like, uh, you actually also help out snakes, like sea, sea snakes, like turtles and, and birds. Uh, everyone probably understands you know, the motivation to, to help them because they're lovely. Sea snakes aren't everyone's cup of tea. What are their dilemmas? Yeah. Oh, sea snakes. Now, I'm relatively new to the sea snake world. I've been working with them for probably about two and a half years I've been handling these guys. And I tell you what, every single time they make me nervous. Um, Sea snakes are highly venomous. Um, There's a lot of rumours about them that they can't bite you or they won't bite you. They don't have big enough fangs to penetrate skin. Not true. They will bite you. They will kill you. Um, now, they don't behave like a terrestrial yes no. Got it? Don't touch them. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll know that for next time. Yeah, yep. put, that, put that in the show notes. <laughs> the title. Somehow I need like a warning sign, do not touch sea snakes. Basically, look, these guys are suffering as well as a result of humans, of course. They often come in with spinal injuries and that is usually caused by wow. uh but being bycatch, considered bycatch on trolling boats where they're just tossed over the side or rough handled or wow. um, stuff like that. So that's what we're seeing with sea snakes. We see things like uh, like raptor wounds, like with talons, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and that we can kind of work a bit better with. Basically, at this stage of sea snake knowledge, if they have a spinal injury, it's typically euthanasia. If they have a rib fracture, we can probably work with that. The two most common species that we get are we get elegant sea snakes and we also get yellow belly sea snakes now to let you guys know they that they can buy we actually had a member of the public call up and he was like yeah i've got a sea snake on the beach i'll put it back and we're like no please don't put it back in the water sea snakes do not come to land but they are true sea snakes in australia they rear live young out in the ocean they have no reason to come to land so if you see a snake on the beach in New South Wales, Queensland, anywhere, it is sick. 
now see crates. So if you've ever been to like, would have gone to Indonesia and stuff like that, and they've got like the black and kind of white bluish bands, they're a sea crate. Mm. They do come to land to lay their eggs. That's a big difference. But so if you see a snake on the beach, call your local rescue group and we'll come get it. Anyway, so this guy, he picks it up and he gets bitten and there's blood and stuff, like a highly venomous sea snake. And I don't know how. The venom didn't go into the skin. And he went to the hospital. He went a bit numb in the hand and um, very, very lucky man because um, they have a very fast-acting venom because it's designed to kill fish, which are very fast. (laughs) But, yeah, so these guys come in uh, with these sorts of injuries. Uh, If they're just emaciated and exhausted, we can get them better. I'm treating a horned sea snake at the moment. He's got a massive wound on the side of him and uh, he's so beautiful. We've called him Basilisk after Harry Potter. And we're nerds, okay? We're little scientists, okay? We do nothing. We watch Harry Potter, we watch Game of Thrones and we're we're really cool. (laughs) And what did you say? Rule number one on day one was don't get attached. And all I've heard is all these different names for these snakes and birds and and turtles. (laughs) You have no idea. Like, so we've got 22 turtles in at the moment, which is huge for winter. We usually have like none. But 22, um, yeah, we've got Hermione, Snape. Um, and then we've got, so it's so good. We've got the best turtle name. I don't know why. So we've got like a Claire, Aloha, and then we've got Ian. <laughs> and for Ian, some reason, yeah, poor Ian. Ian, like Ian. Ian, you've got to be a survivor, mate. Come on. Uh, he, I don't know why, but I spent a good solid 30 minutes laughing at the name Ian the other day. (laughs) Ian the snake. I like Ian. I think he sounds great. Ian's a turtle. Oh, turtle. Ian the turtle. Yeah, Ian's a turtle. Um, So, yeah, so we've... Gosh. <laughs> it should be obvious, Jeremy, clearly. I won't tell him that, but um, look, if you find out, it's not through me. Well, one, one thing we've done a lot through this podcast, which I think is great, is, is we've covered different topics and, and talked about the solutions around them and the solutions that we have readily on this podcast. So, um, you know, the sea's getting warmer, acidification, you know, plastic pollution. Um, so I think we've touched on that, but how do the listeners get in behind you? I mean, um, uh, how do our listeners support the work that you guys do? Can you give yeah. us an indication? Is it a web page? Do we donate? I mean, I would like to see um, you out in the boat and you can hashtag those yeah. to the pick, but <laughs> no, how do they volunteer? How do they get in touch with you? You know, what's the best way for people to get behind the organisation and the great work that you do? Aside from being an active volunteer yourself, which if you do want to, if you live in um, our area um, after lockdowns, please get in touch. The best way is to donate to us and we have a PayPal button on our website and it's as easy as, it's as, easy as that. We are a charity. We rely on donations. Um, the beauty about ASR as well is that um, Kelsey and I are the only two paid staff and we actually are sponsored through uh, Tony Lizette Lewis Foundation. So all the wow. money that is donated to ASR goes directly to the animals. None of it wow. comes to the humans. So even our That's electricity awesome. bill is actually covered by our foundation. So, you know, you're not even paying for that. You are actually paying for the rehab of those animals. So that's how you can help us. And if people want to get in contact with you personally, Ollie, is it just through Australian Seabird Rescue, the website? Yeah, so uh, just our email address. It all comes to me and Kelsey. Um, So admin at seabirdrescue.org.au. I'm there Monday to Friday. 
uh, give or take, <laughs> Sunday, Saturdays, <laughs> whenever. Um, so you can always give our office a call and one of us will answer and, yeah, have a chat with you and let you know the next best steps. I feel as though I could, we could talk to you all day. We seem to say this every time we do a podcast. You, know, you <laughs> say it. You say it every time, mate. <laughs> but look, I, I do, I, I, I'm conscious of letting you get back and helping out Ian and the rest of the crew. I'm actually going to go release a gunnet. <laughs> oh, awesome. Look, I don't want to keep you any longer than we have already, but uh, from my perspective, Ollie, it's been wonderful to- talking to you today. And you guys just you – are, you, are, you are a superstar, but your whole organisation is just amazing and you do – such great work, and behalf of uh, the on the of the turtles, the birds, and the sea snakes, uh, thank you so much. It's oh, great thank work. You. And thank just you keep for having up. us. And yeah, I love I love the support you've given ASR. We're very very grateful, and um, I love I love your podcast and your messages that you're able to get out there. So thank you. Guys. Well, we, we we love our podcast because we get to listen to it. great. I mean, I, I think now I say this all the time too. No, no, but it is people like you that really communicate really well um science is fun brad touched mm-hmm. on it these problems are actually good news problems because we know it's a problem we know how to yep. fix it so yep. facing adversity we'll, we'll we'll um we'll hit it head on it's through people like you so well done congratulations and um thanks for coming on our little show thank you so much for having me you guys boom boom thanks for listening to the ocean protect podcast if you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.